This is Fritz Leopold, and you are listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. And thank you so much for listening to episode number 36 of Chasing Dreams. As always, I am bringing you the most awesome people that I know, and today is no different. This is my friend, Fritz Leopold. He's a business technology recruiter for the Mid-Atlantic region at McKinsey & Company. They're in Washington, D.C., New Jersey, Philadelphia, and so pretty much he does it all in this tri-state. And so he started his career as an architect, moving to recruitment yeah. just five years ago. He's a problem solver, advisor, and friend, Fritz believes recruiting comes down to trust, honesty, and your ability to communicate your experiences to others. And when I say friend, I, I truly mean it. Uh, Fritz and I go back five years, or yeah, maybe six, six years. Six years, yeah. Six years. Yeah, and so let me tell you, I, when I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner, but it doesn't matter. It happened, and now he's on the show and if you guys are going to listen to, to an episode, you should really listen to this one carefully. Take notes. Check out the show notes page. It, it'll be there as well. He's going to drop some knowledge on you guys. I just know because I know who he is. Wow. <laughs> I know. There's no pressure at all. Well, just a little bit. Just a little bit of just, pressure. There's no pressure. You being yourself <laughs> is all that's needed because you are a wise man. Oh, man. I don't know about wise, but I have definitely been through some experiences, and I'm hoping to share those with you all. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, uh, and I had to have you. and I didn't know that you were recruiting, and then when I heard about it, it just seemed so appropriate to me. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, my my career kind of just happened. Uh, it wasn't something that I was planning. And honestly, when you talk to any recruiter, I don't think anyone grows up wanting to be a recruiter. <laughs> That's actually a good point because you, you were know. doing, um, you were in school for something else. Yeah, I, was, I went to school for architecture. Literally my entire life I was groomed and wanting to be uh, an architect uh, since the age of three. I told my mom I wanted to be an architect. So I went to Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., went there for undergrad, grad school, studied architecture, concentration in real estate development, uh, and then in turn came out in probably the, the worst uh, recession, uh, the Great Recession, as they like to call it, um, back in 2010, the end of 2010. Uh, and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Honestly, I, I felt like a failure. Um, and I got an amazing opportunity to work at Apple, which is where I met you. Yes. Uh, and um, and from there, it just kind of grew. Uh, I, I spent some time uh, as a researcher for a now large commercial real estate firm, uh, excuse me, commercial real estate research and analytics firm in D.C. 
uh, co-star group, which owns apartments.com. So I'm sure you've seen all those little Wayne commercials. Yes. Um, <laughs> I worked for them. They were in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, they were. Um, Jeff Goldblum, and, I think, right? Yeah, Jeff Goldblum, Lil Wayne. Uh, I think there was somebody else in there. Um, it's so crazy to see where they've gone uh, in such a short period of time. They've grown so much. But yeah, I worked for them as a researcher, had an opportunity to be an ambassador on campus for them, which turned into a full-time career change when they asked me to join their recruiting team. And it was a big shock to my family. Uh, in fact, my mom thought she had failed me <laughs> when so I told her that I was transitioning. Yeah, go ahead. So you went into the co-star doing one thing, and then all of a sudden you have like a pivot into this Complete new pivot. field? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, it was originally I was supposed to just be an ambassador on campus, and it worked so out so well. So were you just looking so pretty well. for everybody? Ah, looking pretty. I mean, I was getting to know individuals, <laughs> and it was it was I was looking pretty. I was definitely looking pretty, and <laughs> and, and trying to you know be a cheerleader on campus, um, and it worked out so well, and I was so excited, and I felt like it played to so many of my strengths that I decided to make the plunge into recruiting. Um, full time, and it was definitely a hard transition. And I'm sure a ton of you in our age bracket, even now, that have made transitions can attest to the difficulties of, of going into one career and ending up in something completely different. And you didn't um, just end up in something different. This is like a third change. So you went from wanting to be an architect since the age of three, yeah, right, facing this recession. Which would you say that? Because of the recession, your dream changed? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in grad school, I mean, and, and this happens to a lot of people as well, you know, you start to, reality kind of sets in. I, I wasn't as in love with the actual work of architecture. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be designing bath- bathrooms for the rest of my life. <laughs> Not that's to say that that's, yeah. that's what I was going to do, but that's what I was pretty much doing for a while. And on top of that, I just, in terms of my, I valued just my well-being and I just wasn't alive I wasn't enjoying what I was doing um you weren't passionate th- as you thought you would be no I wasn't yeah. um I think what I fell in love with and what I really was interested in was was talking with individuals really making a difference in people's lives when I when at the age of three when I really wanted the reason why I wanted to be an architect was because uh at the time I was living in Brooklyn my mom and I and my sister dirt poor and I saw these amazing skyscrapers, and I was like, "Mom, I'm going to move us out, and we're going. I'm going to build us one of these buildings. We're going to live in." So, it wasn't per se that I wanted to to, to design, even though that's probably my most favorite thing to do. But I think at the heart of it was really just wanting to help people, um, and that's always been, I think, one of my core strengths is is the the compassion and, and the 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 heart to really want to help individuals grow in whatever it is that they're doing. Um, and I wasn't getting that. Uh, and I didn't really feel as though I was growing in that aspect, um, which pushed me towards this other option. Now, granted, when I was a researcher for CoStar, it was actually in the vein of the work. I, I, I was getting a master's in commercial real estate development. So the research was very, was very familiar to me. I, I knew what I was doing. Um, so it, it, you know, in terms of, of, of my career trajectory, I very much so just made a short, it was almost like the cousin, the cousin of, of architecture. 
Sure, you you went towards something you were familiar with. Yeah, and then and then it went straight into left field um, and started doing this uh, recruiting thing, which was completely different, completely now, different. Before yeah. before you jump into how that is, when you're making this decision, right? So you're leaving something you're familiar with, and yes. you're like, okay, I'm about to take this this plunge. Do I want to make that? You have to make these decisions. You said your family thought you were crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What was so, it, though, that – was it faith? Was it just luck? It's, it's, it's a lot of – it's faith, luck. It's the management group. It's There's so many different things that, that factor in. But I think when people are making a transition, the things that that can bode well in terms for, for a successful transition – one, you got to have an opportunity, right? Sure, yeah. Um, so I had the opportunity, which probably is the hardest aspect of it all. You know, it's not a normal thing. I, I, like, I am not the norm. I don't want anyone to think, like, this was a normal thing in the company. This was just a specific situation that happened at that specific time that I fell into. So when the opportunity presents itself, I've always been a believer of just taking those opportunities. So I took the opportunity, right? Yeah. And why I, I decided to make that transition is because even though it was an industry that I really wasn't familiar with and had a lot to learn, my strengths and my interests um, played to those, those, those characteristics and skills to be a successful recruiter. I love building relationships. I love talking to individuals. I love, one, helping people. And recruiting, is that's what you're doing. You're helping people. There's an aspect of it... Uh, where one, of course, you are either traveling or on campus, or, or depending on the type of recruiter that you are. I am a campus recruiter, so I do travel a lot, and I am on campus, which plays to my strengths. I, you put me in front of somebody, I can develop a relationship well, with sure. them very I quickly. Mean, well, um, guys, if you, you, this is one of the reasons we connected so well at right. Apple. I mean, Apple is all about people. people the relationships, right. They the relationships, don't, yeah. It's not about the, the product. It's about the relationships you build, explaining, and so on and so forth. So... All of those things played into my decision. I felt like I could really excel. And I was probably so wrong when I first started (laughs) because all those things were great. It's Mm about 15% of the job. There's so many things on the back end that you just don't, that I wasn't familiar with and didn't know about that I had to learn first um, to then become a a more successful and and, uh, really good at my craft uh, to this, to where I'm at now. So. I think my managers, my previous managers, Megan, you're amazing. <laughs> I will follow you to the end of the world, and she knows this, um, for being patient uh, and understanding throughout my, my really two years of, of getting to know this role and understanding what it was. was. And, you know, and I think the other thing that you really need to have is perseverance. Um, like by me making that transition, I, I sacrificed salary. I sacrificed a lot of things. You know, I had a trajectory in my previous role, um, mm-hmm. and to start anew in a completely different role. Just think about this: when you're making a transition, a lot of people make the trend, make want to make a career change, and they don't realize that from a financial aspect, you are starting at the bottom. So that means you, you, there's a good chance you might be taking a massive pay cut from where you are currently. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that. They think that they have these skills that are transferable, yes. But when, when you say that to an employer, you say that to a recruiter, I have transferable skills. What that means is, is that I have to train you 
to do the role that I need you to do. But I, um, but, but I'm already making ten thousand dollars more than what this new role is. <laughs> and you're right. right. I mean, that's right. sometimes a, a hard reality we don't. It is face. a very hard reality, and I think a lot of people are afraid of that. Um, I was scared of it, but I also knew where I wanted to be. I also knew what this could potentially turn into. And I knew I was dedicated to it. So I made the transition and those first two years, you know, it was a lot of ramen noodles, a lot of, a lot of wondering where my next meal would come, but eventually you get back on your feet and eventually you'll, you'll, you'll keep pushing. And, and that I think is really important for people that are, are making a transition in careers in, in, in fields, in completely different fields. That's, that's a really hard thing to come to grips with and understand, especially if you have a family. Now, do you, um, do you regret having made the transitions you have made? So I don't regret anything. Um, I Just know that sounds crazy. Principle? Just in general principle, I don't regret. I try not to look back. Um, I think it's a learning experience. Everything that you do is a learning experience. Now, you make good decisions, you make bad decisions, but you can learn from everything that you do. If you don't learn from anything, regardless of if it's a good decision, then you're not really I don't think you're growing. So I don't, I don't regret anything. I mean, I wish, <laughs> you know, if, if I could do my life completely over again, uh, there's a whole bunch of different things that I would do, but where I'm at today and, and I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I, if I changed anything. So I, I don't believe in that. So. I mean, that's so, yeah. a good point that you make. And, I, and one that I hope a, a lot of you take to heart is that, there, very rarely is there a bad experience. Mm-mm. It may not have been positive, but you learn what doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's the key, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's only uh, it's it's everything is a learning experience. It's what you take from it. If if you don't learn from something, then that's when you wasted time. That's when you've actually wasted time. Now, um, one of the things that we were talking about offline um, yeah. that I kind of wanted to bring up here. And and we had talked about characteristics yes. of people. And, and mm-hmm. one of the things that you think you have in yourself that, you know, is a very high quality that you think uh, people have and, you know, probably should have. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Being self-aware? Yeah. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> yeah, that's that's very what I'm important. About. Very important. And from different aspects, just from your own personal life as well as yeah. from – a career at, uh, you know, I see, I see people all the time. I get calls from people that are applying to roles and, 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 I, and I'm sure there's a bunch of people that are listening right now that have applied to roles and are wondering why didn't I get a call or so on and so forth. How honest are you with yourself? You know, I mean, there, there were a ton of roles that I've applied for beforehand that I would tell myself, Oh, I could do this. Oh, I can do that. But realistically, realistically, you know, how honest are you with yourself on, on a different accounts? Um, you know, from a personal aspect to your, to your, to your professional life, the more honest you are and the more upfront you are and, and the more you face your reality, the better and the quicker you will develop and the quicker you will grow in your role as well as again, in your personal life. And that, I know it sounds very th- philosophical, but I see it all the time. Those that develop have the uh, self-awareness to know their strengths, know their weaknesses, and know how to play to both. Would you also say that they are also able to take feedback? Yes. Yes. 
So um, at McKenzie, feedback is instant, literally. <laughs> Everything you do, there is some sort of feedback that is happening. Um, and it's a way of, of development, you know. And if you don't have the ability to, to take feedback, then there's no way that you're going to be growing, you know. You can be the most amazing person in the world, and you might think you're the most amazing person in the world, but there is always a blind spot. There is always some way that you can do something better. And to grow, you have to have people around you that, that can support that and can tell you when things are are wrong or when things need to change, so on and so forth. So um, feedback is very important, and the ability to take feedback, regardless of where you are in your career. I mean, I have managers, uh, directors, partners, so on and so forth, top level that call me about feedback. How could I have done this better? Um, and it sounds crazy that these super successful, I mean, pe- we call, you know, people leaders, we have uh, people that are changing the world that we know right now at the firm that I work sure. for. And they are calling me about feedback all the time. Um, and that's a trait that everyone should develop. How can I make my life better? Um, how can I make your life better? What am I doing? Uh, and it's something that I, I try to, to encompass within my, even my personal re- relationship with my wife and with my daughter um, and with my family. So, and, so yeah. And, and that is something, uh, Dream Chasers, that I wanted you to hear from Fritz, from a personal perspective, but also from a recruiting perspective. You know, if you're looking for a job, if you're trying to figure out what your next steps are, self-awareness yes. is one of the biggest things and biggest favors you can do for yourself. Yes, you have to be honest with yourself in terms of your abilities, in terms of what you've done, uh, and in terms of what you're able to do. Uh, you know, starting, I see people apply, again, and I, I'm, if I'm repeating myself, Amy, please let me know. I see people apply for roles that they're just not qualified for um, or they are overqualified for. I mean, if honestly, you should be applying for positions, of course, that you want, but you should also be applying for positions that you actually qualify for. And I think that's the first step in really understanding. And if you need to, uh, if you need a self-check or if you need someone, have a friend look over your resume. Have a friend just kind of read or, or just talk with them about the stuff that you've done and and. And, and just ask them, do you think I truly am qualified? It has to be someone that you, you truly have faith in um, that can be honest with you 100% because if, if they know you, if you're usually, that for me, that would be like my mom or my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, if they know you, then they can tell you, you know, hey, I don't, I don't know if this is the best opportunity for you. But yeah, start there. You start there. You, you really, you know, write down all of the things that you are, you're able to do and and I guess I'm talking to to those that are either looking for work right now, um, or or are looking to make a transition. Um, if you're looking to make a transition either to another field or to a uh, or just to another place or company, writing down all the skills and things that you've actually have been a part of and actually have had an impact with. Um, and again, I might be going on a tangent, but no, um, keep going. You know, in terms of, and this is another thing that I see on resumes a lot, is that people will mark or write down things that they will they were a part of, but they don't really explain as to what they did to have an actual impact on that specific project. Oh, I was part of a team that uh, helped 
change this company's blah, 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 blah. No, you're, on your resume, it should really explain, well, I work directly with four managers to talk to or to help develop a new work stream that, I don't know, that changed employee, something, something, something. Like what right. was the actual impact that you had on this specific team that you were a part of? That's the, what, what employers are looking for. And that's the specificity that you should have um, when you're applying for roles. And that's what recruiters are looking for. I can look at a resume or I look when I look at resumes, I go through them, give each resume maybe 30 seconds max, you know, 30 seconds. That's it? That's it. A good recru- I mean, just imagine how many resumes you're going through. 30 seconds is a lot of time. That's that's only two resumes in a minute. You know, if you're if 500 people apply, <laughs> that's a lot of time to be spending on a resume. Uh, there's just not enough time in a day. So there has to be something that, of course, distinguishes you, and you have, have to just be upfront. People that just say, "Oh, I don't know," you constantly hear, "Oh, action words, so on and so forth." I need to see the actual impact that you've had that makes you a distinguished uh, person. That's what that's what we're looking for in resumes. So, Fritz, one of the things you were talking about earlier um, was, you know, apply for what you qualify for. Yes. And a number of things, and I, I admit to being guilty of this as well, it's very hard to find jobs where you're qualified, right? I mean, right. you either yeah. have a number of entry-level positions where right. you apply and you're like, well, yeah, that's clearly not for me, but hey, the job market is so wild and crazy, I might right. have a shot. Or they ask for three to f- or five or ten years of experience, and it's like, <laughs> all right, in what world? You know, where, what about the in-between people? You know, what are those kinds of people supposed to do? So it, it's a difficult, it's a difficult response, right? So it, it depends on the industry, you know, I mean... For a long time, and I feel like things are changing, honestly, from what I see. For a long time, every company had the leverage mm-hmm. because there's so many people. There's, there's a finite number of jobs, right? And it feels like there's an infinite number of applicants. So employees, had a, for a long time, had their pick of the litter um, of overqualified individuals yes. going into positions, um, which really took away from people going into these entry-level roles because then – Companies could basically take advantage of people that had tons of skill sets that were willing to take a lower pay cut. So it really just messed up the balance of of, really of the work, right? You know, you can really think about kind of how everything is 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 off, and you're starting to see the you're starting to see this to a, like a really small degree um, the self correction of this. Either people are retiring allowing for some of these other roles to open up, so on and so forth. Or I guess what I can say to to those individuals, one, if you have a job, one, don't leave your job because you're frustrated. Uh, I think it's you are at a disadvantage if you don't have a position looking for work. That's the hardest thing to do is um, look when you, uh, when you don't have a job. So if you're in a position, <laughs> the grass isn't always greener. You know, it's great to be looking, but stay in the role and then leave once you have found something. Um, two, start looking for roles within the scope of the work that you've already doing. Start there. That's always a good starting point. Um, 
And as you either get opportunities or as you interview, that's when you can start to see where um, where your skill sets might fit elsewhere. I, like, I, I don't want to take away from, like, I, if you have ambition to make transitions, I have seen people make some of the craziest transitions, and it happens, but it is not the norm. And it's and not I think easy. It is, it's not easy. It's not the norm. Um, and there's just so much stacked against you. Some people just aren't built for that. But I would say, one, start to look for positions that, one, are very familiar to you in the role that you're already encompassing that then add on an addition, additional responsibilities. Some people don't even want more responsibility. Maybe they just want a better manager. Start looking for companies that are similar within the companies that you, you're probably already working for and see what roles that they might have. Because honestly, a lot of the transition, a lot of the changes that I see people make tend to be on an internal um, versus on an external. You tend to have a little bit more flexibility or able to make transitions within a company that you're already in versus a company that you are looking to make a transition to. Does that make sense? It does. And, you know, going going to what you're saying, you know, and, and there's so many there's so many avenues that people can take. Would you recommend... I mean, you've given several recommendations in yeah. it, but would you would you t- recommend that they kind of take a step back, look at all their options, and then you know pick the most yeah so advantageous one? So what? I, first and foremost, I think people have the hardest time finding one knowing where to look for roles. Yeah, you know. So yes, you have your LinkedIn's, you have your Indeeds, um, job boards, so on and so forth. You just named every There's place a lot I know. Of- there are a lot of places that you can go for jobs, especially, you know, for your skill set background. If you are not comfortable with using any of these websites, do not be afraid to reach out to search firms. You know, some people call them headhunters, some people call them agency recruiters, even temp work, so on and so forth. These places, even though some of them are not the most reputable, but it will help you start to see the types of things that you might qualify for. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's clear um, something up, though. With yeah, yeah, headhunters, is it true that you have to give them your first paycheck, your first year's salary to use oh, them? No, So, I mean, I, every, every search firm has different, um, requirements, different requirements and, and contracts, so on and so forth. Usually, from what I see... Mm-hmm. For the most part, a lot of um, search firms are contracting with companies, and they're making their money from their company. So they will charge, you know, on top of your salary, they would then get maybe a thirty percent, get thirty percent off of off of your salary. So you get hired, and you stay in the job for X amount of time, they get thirty percent every month of what you make. Now, it's not part of what you make. On It's on top of what you make. So if you make $100,000, just simple math, $100,000 $100, a month, <laughs> which is just astronomical amount. Um, but say you make $10,000 a month, which, right. again, is a lot of money as well. They would then get $3,000 a month on top of that from the company that, that then found this person. So they have their overhead that they hit that company. That's usually how it works. So... Um, so you search firms. So based on that, you don't you don't see a negative for approaching a search firm. 
So here's the thing, though. So the, the, the thing with search firms is that they are there, and, and this is where a lot of people see the shadiness in the business, right? Mm-hmm. Is that they don't have your best interest at heart. <laughs> they have their best interest at heart. They're trying to make money. Ah. Now, there are tons of honest people in the industry, and I don't want folks to, to take this away and be like, oh, I can't trust. No, there's, there's tons of honest people. But you also have to remember that you got to look at who's ha- who has your best interest. And you're always going to have your best interest at heart. Even myself, I work for – I'm an internal recruiter for McKinsey. McKinsey is my employer. McKinsey is who I report to. So as much as I might have – my loyalties will always be with McKinsey. Does that make sense? Yes. And, so, and I think it should make sense right. to – anyone looking for a job yeah but the the i think where the honesty comes in is just being in front about it look i yes i my 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 loyalties are with mckinsey but i'm your best interests are also my best interests because if you want to be here and if you really are good i'm going to make sure that you do the best and it's vice versa for for search firms they're trying to get you hired and keep you hired so that they can make their money for a year right Right, it wouldn't make so sense to set them up with someone exactly that. that's going to be that will leave and so on and so forth. Now, these search firms, so how it works is that these search firms say, "Hey, they tend to try to fill either a lot of positions or roles that companies have a hard time filling." Right, so mm-hmm. they get these contracts. They have multiple jobs happening at the same or multiple contracts from different companies. So. You will get lost in the shuffle because, again, they're looking at all these jobs, not just you in particular. So you have to be very proactive if you use a search firm to either be in constant contact with either your recruiter or with whoever it is that you are. You can't rely on someone else to make your decisions for you because, they, again, you have your best interests at heart. So you always have to be in control. Okay, you have to use these services and let them do what they do best and then take advantage of those services for your best interest. Sound advice. Does that make sense? I hope people understand that. Like search firms, again, there are some really crummy and shady people out there that are not trustworthy, that are not honest because, again, they're trying to make a quick buck. But, again, it's like any relationship that you go into you have to be able to put yourself out there. You have to be, you have to be willing to try. If you're afraid and you're not willing to try, you're not going to find anything. But again, search firms a great place to start to at least see the type of work that you might qualify for, mm-hmm. as well as the types of companies that might be interested in you. So do not be afraid to use. There's some great reputable firms all over the country. Recruiters have become really a, a staple. In, in terms of job searches these past, I think, five or six years, recruiting has become such a hot industry. So, um, so you would say, so, yeah. look at all these websites, right? Uh, the Indeeds, right. the LinkedIn's. Mm-hmm. Check those out, but don't don't discredit or don't ignore also reaching out to search firms, and yes. recruiters. Yes, as well, absolutely. Right? Yes, absolutely. So, and again, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. One, one story I wanted to share with you guys um, is something that Fritz and I just kind of went through recently. Um, and, and one, it's a great story. A friend of mine was looking for a job. 
and she reached out to a search firm, a recruiter. And a recruiter um, helped her find an interview with this company. We'll call it Company A. And there were, at the same time, Company B was reaching out to her, also my friend, and was like, hey, we like you. While we interview too. So she's going up for company A and company B. And she had the wonderful, she may not think that right now, but uh, she had the great opportunity of having options or what we thought to be options. So company yes. B, right? I mean, options B, are the yes. Options Go are ahead. great. Options are your best friend. Yeah. Honestly, the more leverage that you have, the better off you are. <laughs> you don't you know? always get options. And she had you an offer. Not. From Company B, Company yeah. A said, "Hey, um, we like you. We're really interested in you." And told the recruiter, "We're thinking of giving her X amount of dollars. This would be your salary. This would be your package." You know, she didn't have a written offer, but she had the potential of one. And they said, "Hey, we just have to interview one more person internally. We'll get back to you." You know, but we really like you. And so she's in this boat of, "What do I do? Do I take?" Company B, who has a written offer, do I wait? And this is a question, you know, uh, why we're thankful for social media that I put out there. And Fritz and a lot, a number of my other friends, including Jay, who was on episode two of Chasing Dreams, uh, reached out and gave their opinions. And Fritz actually was right there in the middle of this conversation. And what was your advice there? Yeah. So, I mean, so there's a couple of things, right? So, First and foremost, yay, you have two potential offers, right? That's, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, first thing I told your friend was you got to be patient. You can't be anxious. I think a lot of people go into these multiple offer situations and they just want everything immediately. And what they have to, one, realize is that the ball is now in your court technically. You have all the leverage. Someone wants you. That is a good thing. <laughs> So do not rush into making decisions because the moment you sign a contract, the moment a company has you, you have lost all your leverage. So the first thing I told your friend was just to slow down. Let's think about the situation. So company A, which liked your friend but didn't have a physical offer out, right? Right. Told, um, told her we would get back to you pretty soon. Company B had made the offer prior to um, Company A, so uh, your friend had not made had not told Company B about Company A yet, uh, and had rushed and told them that she would get back to them with a response within I think it was close to a day. Yeah, it was That's like the, one business yeah, day. Yeah, it was it was one business day. That is the big no no. If you have multiple options. One, if you have multiple offers, so you have the potential of multiple offers, you need time to make a decision, right? So you you can't show your excitement. You're, of course, excited, but you say, thank you very much. You approach that. I would need to, I'll need some time to, to make my decision. If you have multiple offers at this time, you will let them know. And if you have a good recruiter or someone talking to you, they will ask you if you have other options, or if you have other um, other opportunities that you're seeking, because this is information that's really important to them. They need to know who your suitors are. They need to know the type of outreach that they need to have. So, I had your friend call them back 
and let them know that, um, and again, this is the honest, this is where everything hinges on honesty and trust, okay? I think a lot of people in this uh, in this situation either think of a lie, oh, I just need more time. It's the gut um, reaction, right? It's uh, the gut reaction. You're scared. You're scared. to save yes. time. To save time. Mm-hmm. You have to be up front. If this is some, again, you have to remember, they want you. <laughs> they right, already they want out. you. So they are not, one, going to retract an offer because you have another offer. They're not going to do that because, one, it looks terrible on them. If someone gives you an offer and then because you have another offer, resends it, what does that say about that employee? And honestly, Employer. you want to work for someone. No, you would yeah. not want to work for someone no. like that. And you can then blast them on every single glass door and so on and so forth. That is – no company wants that bad publicity. Nope. If you know, The moment you start talking about someone's hiring process and their inability to, to follow through is the moment their pi- pipeline starts to have issues. So that's not going to happen. you got to understand that. So take your breath. You have to be upfront. It's a hard conversation to have if you haven't been upfront prior to, but letting them know, hey, I have other opportunities. I really, I really think this is a great opportunity, but I need to weigh my options. I need more time. And just real Very quick, simple. if you guys have a family or something like that, um, especially as an adult or a grown yes. person, it is not unheard of for you to take some time. To make that to decision. think about that with your family. Yes, you hear it all the time. I would love to talk about this over with my husband, with my children, especially if you have to move or if something is not in your normal routine. These are normal asks. These are normal asks. And okay? to, what, to what Fritz is saying, though, about honesty and trust, don't be a jerk about it. Don't say, hey, I no. need a week. I need a month. I, I need more time than necessary. Right. You know? Don't right. You have to be you have to be reasonable. You yeah. definitely have to be reasonable. And honestly, I mean, a week is not that much time on especially if you've gone through a really strenuous interview process. If the process took longer than 3 or 4 weeks, then the company should have the amount of respect to give you a week to think about. You know, and if you ask for a week and they say, "Hey, we really can only give you 4 days," then there's a compromise, but make the ask. Okay? Do not rush. Ask for as much time as you need. Ask for more time and then come back early. You know, it's okay, but do not rush into these decisions. Making, getting a job or starting a new position or a new role only happens maybe five or six, seven times in your lifetime, max, right? So this is a very large life event, very large life event. So you need time to think about this. You know, don't rush into this, okay? That was the first thing I told her. You know, and she called, she was nervous. (laughs) She called back the hiring manager and he was, he was, he was slightly upset, but he appreciated the honesty, right? Sure. Yeah. And that is, that is key because that shows him that you're an honest person, that you have integrity, right? That you're willing to make hard decisions. The interview basically is still happening, right? So imagine if you lie and you say, oh, I don't know, my husband's sick and I just, I need to go to the hospital. I can't think about this right now, blah, 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 blah. blah. Right, I can't talk. And you become that shady friend. You become that shady friend, right? Even if they hire you, they have that mentality in the back. Like recruiters know. 
we know when people are BSing because we hear the lies <laughs> all the time. You can't BS a BS like at the end of the day, right? <laughs> so it, it, you start off your career with this company if you decide to go with them with a mark. You know, in the moment something bad happens, oh, he was a liar. She was a liar. Because when we were giving her an offer, she wasn't upfront about X, Y, and Z. You don't want that. You do not want that. And you don't want that reputation. No, you don't want that reputation. Because again, reputations happen as soon as you start. (laughs) As soon as you start. So yeah, um, wow, this is, sorry if I'm taking a lot longer. No, no. I I think this is very important because I think this is a life situation that happens. Yes. And yes. you're trying to figure out if you're ever in this position. And, you know, I was very happy for my friend. Um, you know, she didn't know what to do. And I think yeah. there are a number of people out there that are kind of going with their gut and just saying, yeah. hey, giving an answer. And here we need to really talk about this. And I, yeah. I don't mind taking time for that because I think it's a conversation. Um, so great. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the next thing that happened, she would then ha- she then had to call the company, let them know, hey, I have a I have a concrete offer, you know. You guys told me that you would get back to me. I need to have an answer by X. Now, that X, that time that you give that other company, has to be reasonable. Now, <laughs> I mean, it, it does. And that is very important. Like, you can't. So, if you try to force a company's hand, be ready to, to get a, a response that you're not going to enjoy. Okay? Yeah. Because if you force, think about it, it it's like. It's like a, a, a girlfriend wanting to be a, a wife. And if you put an ultimatum to someone who's not ready, I hope that that's where you be afraid, this. be afraid to let them know, hey, I'm not, no, we might as well break up now. Be prepared. Yeah. And that's what you Bruce know? is saying. Be prepared to, for the possibility of the, of the rejection. It's yeah. there. And yeah. company A, the one that she asked for more time from, was going through a recruiter. So she's talking yes. to a recruiter who is the, yeah in between for this conversation. Yes. And the other thing I wanted to say is, is her talking to company B, that hiring manager, she left after that conversation with a great feeling Yes. about that. Yes. You know, so you never know what'll come from this. I mean, she, yeah, she was surprised. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the other important thing is, um, you know, benefits, money. Those are two things that are really important to people, right? You know, so you have an opportunity, say you have two jobs or you, you have two opportunities that you um, are able to walk into. One is the job of your dreams. The other one is willing to pay you a ton of money, right? Yes. So you have this this dilemma. Oh, my God, look at all this money that I could potentially make. And she and had then, that dilemma, yeah. Right. And then there's this opportunity. How do I deal with that, right? Again, it's about asking. You have all the leverage. Someone has already told you that they want you. So now you have the ability to ask. Do not get caught up in the idea that this company gave you an opportunity. And so you have to then acquiesce everything that you want in life because they gave you this opportunity. No, 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 no. You don't owe that. You don't owe anything to anyone because one, they put you through an interview process and you went through that interview process and you became that best person person for them. Okay? You have to remember that. You want and the second you don't work for them yet. You don't work for them at all. 
So you don't owe them anything. No one owes you. You don't owe them. They don't owe you, right? You know what? You owe it to yourself. Yes. That, that's you what you owe. You owe it to yourself. You don't owe it to anyone to else but yourself. The question. Yes. Because and let's again, be honest. If you were mm-hmm. if if you were outside of this position, right? You were looking in on this. Like yeah. if this was Fritz in this position, and he's like, "Hey, Amy, what do you think? What do you wish I? I, I would tell you. You need to ask for more money." Yes, you know absolutely, what I mean? absolutely. I don't know, man. They gave me, they gave me all this money. I'm like, no, you. If no, no, you no. think that you deserve more money, ask yes. for more money. And this is where being self-aware is, right? So you honestly have to understand who you are and know you and to know your worth. If you truly are worth the money that that you're you're willing to ask for, then you should ask. Two, you should know your market, right? This so, is key, guys. Listen to this part. You know, if if they're if if you get an offer from a position and the money that they offer you is clearly below market, you should be asking for more money. <laughs> know because your worth. Understand this: when you get hired into a position, okay, realistically, the the money that you would make. Or, or the true bumps that you get come from going to another place. You are not going to get mon- uh, more money internally, or you're not going to grow. Um, your money's not going to grow from annual increases. Those two to four percent annual increases. And, and- Real money comes from making transitions. So when you are in that transition period and they have made you an offer, that is where you need to strike. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, that is where you need. To make your money. And okay. just, just a clue, when you're interviewing and you're in that negotiation process, that's then. Yes, okay. that is then. Not after you've signed. Because again, the moment you've signed, you've given away all your leverage. Your your option at that point is then to either find another job, quit, <laughs> or hope that these people are willing to, to, to give you a market correct. And they're not going to. Honestly, and, and let's, they, let's be clear. What Fritz is saying is, you know, know your money and know your worth and ask for it up front. Don't expect it to come after one year at yes. the job. Yes. You hear that all, all the time. Oh, if you work, you know, I want to see how your per- performance is and, and X, Y, and Z. That's when we will then have that discussion. I want that in writing. I want that in writing. Again, if that's the agreement, after a year, I will have the ability to make 10% more than where I started or whatever. You have to again ask for this stuff up, stuff up front. And in everything writing. has to happen up front and in writing. Verbal that is offers the only no time okay. that don't work. It's it's not real. People forget. People get fired. It's, it floats Things away. change. It floats away. People yes. leave. It it happens all the time. And be a mindful and then you're of the frustrated. words up to. Okay, if they say right. if they say ten percent, then ten percent should be on paper, not up right. to ten percent, because that yes. means. Two percent is valid. One percent is that right? Exactly. Yes. Everything happens up front. So again, do not be afraid to negotiate. Again, the leverage is in your cart, and the worst thing that can happen is that they say no, and then you have to decide if, if this is what I want. And if you have another option, or if you have another offer, then you have that to 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 help. And that's also another bargaining tool. Hey, Company B. I love, I really love the work that you do. I really see this as a great career opportunity, but company A is offering me 15% more than what you're offering me. Or company A is offering me 
all pay uh, an extra week of paid vacation as well as paying for all my medical medical expenses you know that is a huge burden for me to 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 take on to 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 move with you you know you need again have facts when you're asking for 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 more money and and the reason why I deserve X, Y, and Z because in my previous role, I was doing X, Y, and Z. You're asking me to do more, which means that I should be compensated yeah. for that. You know, Again, you have to have a plan when you go into these negotiations. doesn't mean you have to be rude. doesn't mean you have to be uh, uh, not genuine or, or, or lie about everything. But or arrogant. Arrogant, yes, that's the word. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but you should definitely not be soft and make the asks that you that – you, expect. And in in addition to what Fritz is saying, you know, don't keep in mind that there is more that, money is always wonderful. Don't get me yes. wrong. But there are other things you can also ask. If they say, "Hey, we can't give you the money you're looking for." Like, "I understand your hands are tied there. How about increasing the number of days I can get off?" Yes. You know, find Increase. other ways. Yeah. But you got to yes. know your worth. I'm just saying, don't sell Absolutely. yourself short, Dream Chasers. Do if you're doing something, know your worth. It's it's a negotiation. Understand, like if the initial offer might seem like so much because it could be something, it could be significantly more than what you were making at your current role. But understand the role that you're walking into. Understand what the market is is asking for, and understand what it is that you really want. Okay, if your goal Honestly, some people are really all about the money. And if you see a company that's going to pay you the money that you want, because that's the lifestyle that you want, go for the money, okay? But if, if career growth, and if, you know, which is what I would prefer in development is, if that's what you really want, if you, if you see a manager that you can really work with and so on and so forth long term, that's what you got to go for. Just understand what you really want when you're going through these roles. Because people make transitions not really understanding, oh, I'm, moved, I'm going for the money. When in reality, they're changing roles because their manager was terrible. Yeah. And you want to work for someone that works. You know, So understand what you want when you're making these transitions. Very important. We should also bring up the point that you should, you know, as much as they are interviewing you, you should you be interviewing yes. them as well, guys. I yes. Mean, what Very Chris was saying so. about the bad manager, you know, you do your homework. Look up yes. who's interviewing you. Look up who would be on your team. You know, yeah. I don't. And Fritz, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it unheard of to ask to speak with someone? No, ab- absolutely not. So I see this all the time. I want to talk to more. And so in, in, I, I work for a consulting firm. So we have partners. We have engagement managers. Um, and then we have, of course, the worker bees, the associates, and, and, and business analysts. I want to work. I want to talk to people that that are in my role right now. I want to hear what they're, you know. So you can ask the real questions. Is this person really going to to be mad if if I work out every morning or something? You know, these are the things that you need to think about. I want to talk to someone in my role. I want to talk to the manager that I'm going to be working with. I want to understand if, if there actually is promotions and yes, movement. You know, these are all important questions or important things that you you should ask up front because again, the moment you sign, all the leverage is gone. All of it's gone. All of it's gone. I mean, it's it's it seems like a lot, guys. I know um, we're talking through this scenario because it actually happened, and you know, it's yeah. it's. it's 
not always the case, but sometimes I think we take for granted that you can actually do this. Yes, you should. You should. You should always ask. You should always ask questions. You should always uh, be willing. Now, I, again, there there are, there are different situations where, again, I mean, the opportunity is amazing, the money is amazing initially, and and you go for it because you just honestly won't get another op, op, offer um, that's anywhere near what what they're offering. But just know that you have the op- that's when you are going to negotiate and make those opportunities uh, sound. Uh, so in that situation, in the situation we're talking about with your friend, you know, she was able to, one, decide, you know, she, she got a chance to speak with the manager that she was going to work with. She really saw his character. He was attentive. He was listening. He would repeat back what she was saying to really understand. He would get back to her uh, in a timely fashion. These are really important things. Again, if you're looking for development, if you're looking for someone that you want to work with on a daily basis, these are all things that you should be looking at uh, as well. So just to add on to that, or one last thing to add on to that, once she made the ask uh, to the to company B, she then wanted to call <laughs> immediately after. Yeah. You have to give people an opportunity to, to, especially if you ask about money or benefits, because usually they're not the ones that are making that decision. That has to go through a process, right? It has to go through HR. It has to go to senior leadership, so on and so forth. So do not be the one to constantly call. Hey, do you have a response? Haven't heard from you. Look, give them a chance to make you an offer again or to, to answer you. Because the moment you seem needy, then things get funny, right? So make your ask and wait. And the thing is, I mean, there's always a happy ending in this case. Right. Um, you know, she got the asks she wanted, which, yeah. let me tell you, 24 hours, 48 hours before when she thought, when she said, hey, I'll give you an answer, she got a bump from that salary, that initial yeah. offer. Mm-hmm. She got an increase in the number of days. Those were the two big concerns she had that yeah. company A was offering. Now, let me also be clear. She didn't play one company off the other. No. Okay, so she didn't say, hey, this company's offered me this much. She worded it, and first correct me if I'm wrong, she, she yeah. said, you know, my concern is this. I'm looking to make X. You're offering Y. Yes. You know? Yes. So yes. she didn't word it as, hey, this company's offered me this much. What's your, what's your play? What's your well, offer? Uh, so it, that goes both ways. So, so one of the things that she was really interested, again, like you mentioned, was the number of days off. Company A was actually willing to give her, I think, I think it was like a week addition. Yes. That is something, you know, my con- like you said, again, my concern is that, you know, X, Y, and Z, you're only giving me 10 days. This other company that, that is giving me an offer is giving me 15 days. Um, that's pretty significant. That's, you know, blah, 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 blah. I, I really think, you know, this is one of my pain points, you know, and then you let that conversation happen. Same thing with with healthcare. Oh, this company was willing to literally pay for all of my healthcare, you know, granted, which is a big expense for me. Um, I understand that you guys have a, excuse me, a company plan. You know, if you're willing, please, can you please bump up my uh, pay to then make the compensation for, for the healthcare, you know, for X amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. I don't remember you know, so you can you can definitely play off another company, but you have to be honest. You know, these are realistic asks. 
you know, not something outlandish and ridiculous, but these are realistic asks that you're asking about. And again, if they can't do it, they can't do it. Then you have to then make that decision on your own. And you're saying um, also be respectful in. Be respectful yeah. at all times. Be respectful. There's a level of diplomacy that has to happen. Um, you know, you can't come off as arrogant. You can't come off as, oh, well, I deserve X, Y, and Z. That's, that's, you know, that's when things start to break down immediately. You know, again, it's, it's their money. They're, 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 it's their investment. They're yeah. putting in risk in hiring you. Um, and it hasn't, it's not a done deal yet. So the moment you start to act funny or it starts to act entitled, you know, that is a major red flag for people. Um, uh, and being high maintenance isn't fun. And the other anyone. thing I want to make sure you guys uh, hear is the fact that company A, as I said, was a recruiter. And the recruiter yeah. is the one who, you know, trust and honesty, her and my yeah. friend had a very good relationship. And she had said, listen, this company's taking too long. I think you should go to the other company, yes. company B. And mm-hmm. that was one where when it come to the point where the offer was, as Pris said, she asked, hey, is there anything else, any other offers on the table that you're looking into? And my friend was honest with her. Yeah. And so this is what Fritz is talking about. This was like a class. This is like the case study. And it just happened to work out that we could talk about this yeah. and that you were so, at the center of it. <laughs> so, you know, the interesting thing, you know, being an internal recruiter um, for a company, it it can be difficult because you have to tilt the company line, you know, and, and that recruiter was very honest uh you know, and, and at times, you know, probably could have been a little bit more upfront in regards to the internal hire that they were, or internal interview that was happening. Um, but again, she was very honest with, with your friend and, and letting her know, hey, um, we're not going to be able to get back to you in time. Um, it might be in your best interest to, to accept. Um, internal recruiters have to deal with situations like that all the time. We, like for me, you know, I always, I always want to see someone happy. I always want to see them make as much as they possibly can and get all the benefits that they possibly can. Um, so I'm always pushing for you because I know the moment you walk into my company, you are going to work. <laughs> You're going to work, you. And that's any company. You know, they they want to to profit. That's their goal is to make money, um, and the work that you're bringing to them uh, or doing for them will do that. Uh, so I guess I guess what I'm trying to say, uh, long story short, is you're an internal recruiter. Their their loyalties do lie with with their company, but there are plenty of them that will be honest with you and will be upfront with you if you are honest with them. Okay, you know she was uh, your friend was very upfront and told her the situation and laid it out very clear for her, and she was able to then turn back and make an honest assessment as to what was going on. Um, and uh, to help make that decision. Uh, and that's very important. I think a lot of the communication that happens between recruiters and with candidates um, tend to be, you know, when the, when the, when the, discommu- or when the disconnect happens, usually happens because someone wasn't upfront about something and it wasn't cleared up early on in the process. And then things come out and, and, and everyone's frustrated. If the more honesty, the more uh, information that you're able able to give up front without giving away leverage, without giving away leverage, the better you are um, in a situation. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Guys, we're going to have to wrap it up soon, but I, I hope you really yeah. got something from all of that because there was just so much knowledge in just the last hour that we've been talking. I mean, oh, man, from I can... Fritz's journey to the case study and what you guys should do. I mean, trust and honesty is, is something. It's, it's the key. So I'll give you, I'll just give you one last thing. I think, um, and I touched on this earlier, but um, one of the hardest things that people have during an interview process, I think, and this is just me thinking in retrospect, in an interview as well as in your resume, one of the hardest things that people have or people have trouble with is, is communicating what they're good at. It seems so simple. It seems, you know, I can tell someone what I do. I can tell somebody what I'm great at. And it's actually one of the hardest things that you have to do. And it's probably the most important thing is your ability to communicate um, and explain in very short, you know, and concise sentences or phrases or, or paragraphs, so on and so forth. I think one of the, the best ways that you can do this is to practice in front of a mirror. It sounds really stupid, but to actually read your resume out to yourself in front of a mirror and hear how you're describing yourself. Because you write it down. It's completely different from actually saying it out loud and listening. And this is also a great way to prepare for interviews because these are the things that they're going to be talking to you about if you have an opportunity to interview with a company. How do I actually talk about what's on paper? How, you know, what stories am I going to be able to tell in a very short time period that can explain, you know, my leadership qualities, that can explain my analytical thinking, that, you know, that can explain how quickly I think on my feet. Um, You might have all these skill sets, but if you're not able to take, actually say these things out loud and to really explain it, you're not going to get the job. So. I just wanted to throw that in. Uh, no, I think that's, somehow. That, that's important because resumes are, are one of the first steps. And guys, if you're interested in um, us breaking it down a little bit even even more, even further to the resume interview and back-end stuff, that kind of thing, do let me know. Shoot me an email. Hit me up on social media. Let me know. Fritz would love to probably be back on the show. I would love to have him back on the show. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, but mostly absolutely. if you guys find some some benefit from it. Um, either way, we're going to keep talking because we have no problem <laughs> yes. doing that. But- <laughs> I clearly have no problem talking. I <laughs> but, can ramble on for days. But Fritz, it's before, my gift. Before we <laughs> wrap up, though, you, you, I warned you. There, what is one thing yes. you would recommend? It could be so, a book, a quote, whatever. What would you tell a dream chaser? So do not be afraid to chase your dreams. It, it sounds so simple. It sounds so cliche. But honestly, your dreams are what you aspire to be. And if you downplay those dreams, if you, if you let them run away or if you decide to do something else or if you're afraid, you're never going to really aspire to be the, the, your true self. You know? And being your true self is one of the most beneficial and most self-fulfilling things that you can ever have. So don't run away from your dreams and be honest with yourself. Those are the two things that I would say. Um, I don't have any quotes. I don't have any books to recommend that you can read. But if you do those two things on a daily basis, chase your dreams and and be honest, you can go really far. Boom. I love it. I love it. Fritz, you're definitely going to come back. We're going to have you back on the show. 
Oh, anytime, anytime. Like I said, I think we might, uh, you know, if people have questions for me, if they, um, you know, if you want to actually connect with me, I have no problem talking to anyone. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. All of uh, which will be in the show notes, guys. Yeah. Um, at Fritz Leopold or at Fritz Recruits on Twitter. Um, so if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'm available um, right now. <laughs> My schedule is kind of light right now. Um, it's going to get pretty crazy pretty soon. Um, but yeah, reach out to Amy, reach out to myself. I'm excited to talk about uh, your career. Thanks for having me, Amy. This was, this was great. Thank you once again to Fritz Leopold for taking the time out of his night and coming onto the show and sharing not only how his Dream Chase story evolved, but also for sharing some hard truths and the realities of the job search process. For more notes on today's episode, as well as on how you can contact Fritz, please check out the show notes page at chasingdreamshq.com slash episode 36. That's episode 36. And until next time, guys, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.